Welcome to another episode of the Real Talk on Women's Health Podcast with Essentia Health. I'm Lauren Wells, your host, and I have board-certified pediatrician Dr. Jonathan Knight with me for a second episode. I want to start by saying congratulations because you just celebrated 10 years at Essentia Health. Yeah, thanks. It's been a good 10 years. So I want to ask you, why did you choose to become a pediatrician? Because I feel like there's, you know, so many different lanes that doctors can take. What what kind of drew you to that? Yeah, I've, um, so personally, I'm the oldest of, gosh, I don't even know know, like 20 cousins or something. So growing up, I was always around kids younger than me. I feel like most pediatricians, you'll hear from them say stuff like they never grew up or they just, it's just their thing. You know, you like playing with kids. And I went into medical school, starting to think about wanting to be a surgeon and work with my hands. And as soon as I did my surgery rotation, I discovered that was not my calling. And when I did peds, it was like, wow, this is it. Like I can do this all day and have joy in my life. And so that's that's why I'm here. These are my people. And and I, I love it. Even now, uh, you know, if I'm at a dinner party or something, I find myself gravitating to hang out at the kids table. because <laughs> That's just <laughs> what I do. So the kids table is the best table. Oh, yeah. I still yeah. sit there from time to time. So in medical school, you know, you mentioned that when you did your peds rotation, that's kind of when you knew. So was that like it and done? Did you even explore other options or you were like, no, I want to be a pediatrician? Yeah, as, so- as soon as I, I did my... My peds rotation, that was it. Uh, my decision was made. You know, I did a few other rotations to kind of diversify my training, to learn additional skills and just to experience things that I knew I'd never see again. But uh, yeah, peds was it from the get go as soon as I as soon as I spent that time um, doing pediatrics in medical school. So what is a day like in your life as a pediatrician? Oh, wow. So, you know, I, I start clinic around eight o'clock. I see patients all day. Uh, right now I have I have some other duties. I'm our department chair, so I have other administrative duties, but just the pediatric side. Generally see patients every 20 to 40 minutes. Um, Sometimes they take longer, and I'll always take the time that's needed to deliver the care that the child and family needs. Um, And sometimes they're shorter, so just kind of roll with it. And a a lot of my time is spent doing uh, well child checks, so checking up on kids who are otherwise healthy, making sure they're growing well, developing normally, just talking about their lives. It's really fun. A lot of times, obviously, too, I'm taking care of sick kids and making sure that uh, they're okay and treating them as appropriate. Uh, Sometimes we need to send children to the hospital. So making sure that we identify more serious problems and, uh, again, treat them as needed and get them the help they need. At the end of the day, usually done by 5, 530 and home for dinner with my family. So it's a great balance. I really enjoy the work that I do, and it brings me a lot of satisfaction. So do you have, I always wonder this, because obviously little kids are so cute. Do you have uh, patients that like you look forward to seeing? throughout and growing throughout the years. What's that like kind of being a part of their life from when they're young? Yeah, that's honestly the most special thing about what I do and what keeps me coming back. You know, I have, I have the fortune of, of working with families over time. Newborn babies we see very often, depending on what's going on. Uh, just the normal schedule of well visits is typically every two months for a while, then it spaces out to every three months and every six months. So um, I get to know families pretty well. Um, and in between that, of course, we have some sick visits and unanticipated things that happen. So now being 10 years in and having kids that are third and fourth grade that I took care of when they were in newborns is so rewarding and seeing their new siblings as they're born and um, not having to start fresh every time when I walk into the room, you know, having kids that enjoy coming to see me is is just the best. I save all the artwork that I get. I love it. I love that. What are some things parents should be watching 
before as their kids grow that might cross that line to, okay, it's not just a cold. It might be a concern they should keep their eyes on. Yeah. So, so this changes as kids age, um, newborns under a month old before they receive their first recommended vaccines are particularly vulnerable, um, to more serious diseases. We can't always tell how sick they are just based on looking at them and examining them. So any child under 30 days with a fever, like 100.3 or higher is a, is an emergency. Um, so those newborns need to seek care right away when you notice that. As you get a little bit older and kids start getting vaccines, um, that really offers good protection against some of these really serious bacterial illnesses and other viral illnesses. Uh, so we don't have to worry quite as much, but generally, you know, I've, I've found working with parents that kind of that mommy or daddy radar where they think something's up, they're usually right. So there's this innate parent instinct that you develop over time and uh, trusting that is really important to help take care of your children. Obviously, it's frustrating sometimes when families are worried and they come in and I look at them and I'm like, no, your, your kid's doing okay. and It's not in your infection and there's no antibiotics that are needed for this and this will get better with time. Um, but sometimes that reassurance is really helpful too. So yeah, as, as kids get older, if you have a fever, you generally don't need to wait uh, or come in right away. You know, for an infant under one, you, you might be able to wait a couple days depending on what's happening. You know, obviously if your child is lethargic and won't get up, is not eating, peeing less, uh, those are more concerning things. But if if they're kind of warm, but otherwise acting all right, you can probably sit on that for a little bit. But again, this all depends on, is your child vaccinated, up to date on things? Um, and that's something you can ask about at your well child checks um, that we are always, I always talk about this, like, here's when you need to come in and here's what to look for. And um, that's part of my job. I like that you said, sometimes, you know, people come in and it just helps to be reassured, because I think that even carries into adulthood. You know, mm-hmm. even if you think something's wrong, just hearing that it's okay can be helpful, especially as a parent with young kids, you know, that's probably stressed out. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's my expertise. And, and sometimes they're just looking for like, a, you know, is my kid okay? A, a lot of times they are. And, and um, sometimes it's helpful as a parent. I mean, even as a parent myself, it's helpful to hear that my own children are doing okay. And all these like scary things that I know about because of my training, Mm -hmm. I don't need to worry about because my doctor said my child's okay. So that really helps. Yeah. So um, what are some tips being that, you know, you work with kids for parents to get their kids more comfortable going to the doctor? Because I know when I was a kid, I really liked going because I loved my pediatrician. So what are some tips that you would give parents to just get them like not so scared or anxious maybe to go to the doctor? I think um, having appropriate expectations for where your child is at developmentally is really key. Young infants, you know, they, they don't know what's happening and mm-hmm. sometimes don't remember. By the time kids tend to be six to nine months, a lot of times they're starting to recognize other people and can exhibit some signs of stranger danger uh, where they get a little uncomfortable with new people uh, coming up to them. And that's normal. We expect that. So, you know, I, I like families that kind of recognize that in their kids and acknowledge that and tell them it's okay to feel how you're feeling. But then try to move through that and reassure that, you know, we're here to make sure you're healthy and safe. And, you know, that's why we see your doctor. It's always great. I think it's not as helpful when you have parents that are dismissive of -hmm. their children, of their child's feelings, Um, you know, saying stuff like, oh, you don't need to be scared or don't don't be scared. Don't cry. It doesn't change how they feel and it invalidates their feelings and can make the visit more challenging. So I guess my my best advice 
advice is acknowledge what's happening and still offer support while acknowledging that this is happening and things will get better with time. Yeah, that's good to keep in mind. Do you have any like myths that a lot of parents maybe ask you when they come see you that you're like, that's not true. That's just a myth. Is there any of those that you kind of want to take the time to clear? Um, You know, the biggest thing that I deal with in kids because uh, it's a big part of my job is is vaccination. Um, That's the first thing that popped in my mind when you asked that question. I acknowledge there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy and fear uh, revolving giving vaccines. And I think that stems from, and and I can speak from my own experience as a parent, you have to make a choice to, to give vaccines to your child. That's a physical action, right? You make a choice. And even though the risk we know is very, very low, like you're safer to drive in your car and walk in the street and fly in an airplane and you're safer hanging out in a thunderstorm. But but because that risk is still not zero, the fact that you're making a choice to do something to your child sometimes feels difficult. But on the flip side, and this is something that I, that I remind families of, and I need to even remind myself, I remember doing this with my both of my boys when they were babies and getting their first shots. The fact of doing nothing is also a choice. That is also a choice to not give your child vaccines. And the data shows us that that choice is usually uh, has more risk associated with it. So there's no free lunch, right? You can't just be like, well, this vaccine I'm not going to do because I'm afraid of the risks and downstream effects. But the the choice to not do it puts your child at risk of those diseases. Um, The other thing that has been shown in time and time and again on many, many studies is autism vaccines. Um, A lot of kids start developing signs of autism or we start noticing them around the time when we get some of these vaccines like the MMR and 12-month vaccines. But when you control for all the variables, the science tells us that that is not true. And the more we learn about autism is that it's a disorder related to how my understanding is how your brain develops and is organized, how the nerves are organized in your brain. And that happens in utero. So before vaccines are even given. So it, I'm not discounting autism. It's a it's a challenging thing for many, many families. And there are many autistic people that are wonderful people too. This is not, um, I, I think I'm going on a tangent now, but but I think autism is is tough, but you know, we it's something you can deal with. Absolutely. And we're, your doctor is well prepared to partner with you in helping uh, get through those challenges. And obviously if, you know, parents had any questions, there's really nothing off limits that they couldn't ask a pediatrician, right? Like I know some parents might be like, I'm embarrassed to ask this, or I, you know, they might think I'm maybe a little kooky if I ask this, but there's really nothing off limits that you can think of that they'd ask you that you'd be like, what in the world? Yeah, I've heard it all. So anything, and I appreciate those questions. They're so much better to just ask them and get them out in the air and get that reassurance and guidance. Please bring them on. So speaking of newborns, um, what's like a one tip you would give maybe like new parents? Because you were talking about uh, when a baby he's new and parents have all these decisions to make and whatnot. But what's just like a really good tip that you could give new parents leaving the hospital in a panic? I I would say, one, it's important to get as much rest as you can. But also, again, lean, lean into your parent instincts. They're very powerful. The other thing is you're going to hear so many things like you need to do it this way or this is the right way to sleep train your child or, you know, there's so many different ways to, to raise a a baby and there are so few wrong ways 
to do it. There are some, like putting a baby to sleep on its tummy and sleeping on the couch together all night. And, you know, there are there are definitely things that are unsafe. But, you know, tr- trusting your instincts is huge um, because you're probably doing it right. Kind of the mother-in-law effect of having someone tell you, you know, you need to do it this way. That provides a lot of fuel to this kind of inner guilt that a lot of parents experience. You know, sometimes you need help from your doctor to help let that go. Or I mean, sometimes you need a therapist to talk it over, but it's okay to let that go and lean on the people that you have in your tribe to take care of your kid because it's it's almost impossible to do by yourself. Yeah, that's really good advice. We have a listener submitted question. I want to ask you before we let you go here, what advice do you have for parents that maybe have the parent guilt thing of having to work or maybe wanting just a few minutes to themselves each day? What advice would you give them? Oh yeah, great question. And I and I think this has become more and more prevalent as our society's mode of parenting has changed. Example, you know, when I was a kid, I would go play outside. I'd be like, hey mom, I'm, I'm going to my friend's house. I'll see you later. And I'd come back hours later. You know, that's almost unheard of now, depending on where you live. So there's this pressure that uh, as a parent, I need to constantly engage with my child and play with them 24-7. I think the, the most important thing to know is it's okay for your kid to be bored. I think boredom is healthy. It helps uh, encourage imagination and, you know, self-reliance and other skills that can't really be taught unless the child experiences things and learns them on their own. So the the quote-unquote helicopter parent who is always there despite their best intentions sometimes can be, I don't want to say harmful, that's a very strong word, but it's not as helpful as you think it would be sometimes. And it's okay to, to develop those boundaries between, you know, I need my own time um, versus, okay, I'm going to give, I'm going to give the next 30 minutes of time to you undevoted and fill your love bucket. So, you know, and that'll, that'll honestly help too with attention seeking behaviors that kids are looking for their parent to play with them. If you just give them like, put your phone down and really play and get in there, that'll do a lot better than kind of just, you know, halfway engaging while you're looking at social media too, which we're all guilty of. I'm not a parent, but I think maybe you can attest to this, like just if you're able to have more time for yourself, even if it's just like half an hour to yourself and let your kid play, you're probably going to be a better parent because you're going to be, you know, not so spread thin. You have that like time to yourself. So no guilt in that. Absolutely. Yeah. You need to take that time for for yourself so you can be a better parent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Jonathan Knight, board certified pediatrician with Essentia Health. Thanks so much. I learned a lot today and I have no kids and I feel like I, I am ready to be like the best aunt ever now. You got this. Pediatrician Dr. Jonathan Knight, thank you so much. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Talk on Women's Health podcast with Essentia Health.